This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. Isn't it bullshit to have to question where your food comes from? At Vital Farms, you can trace your pasture-raised eggs all the way back to the source, the pasture. On the side of each pasture-raised carton of eggs, you'll find the name of the farm where your eggs were laid. And when you look the farm up on their website, you'll get a peek at all the sunshine, fresh air, and open space the hens enjoy. Learn more and find out where to buy them at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the credit card created by Apple. It gives you unlimited daily cash back that you can now choose to grow in a high-yield savings account that's built right into the Wallet app. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone and start growing your daily cash with savings today. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings is available to Apple Card owners subject to eligibility requirements. Savings accounts provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Clavio, the platform that powers smarter digital relationships. With Clavio, you can activate all your customer data in real time. Connect seamlessly with your customers across all channels. Guide your marketing strategy with AI-powered insights, recommendations, and automated assistance. Deliver experiences that feel individually designed at scale and grow your business faster. Power smarter digital relationships with Clavio. Learn more at Clavio.com slash Spotify. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash Spotify. I'm Jason Palmer, one of the hosts of The Intelligence, The Economist's daily current affairs podcast. The Economist's award-winning shows make sense of what matters, from our special series on China's president to our weekly podcasts on business, technology, and American politics. Our journalists provide fair, in-depth reporting on the events shaping the world. Search for Economist Podcasts Plus and sign up to our free one-month trial. It's time to say goodbye to hold music and say hello to fast customer support with Service Cloud. With trusted AI and data working together, you can skip long wait times and deliver efficient, personalized service right away. All while keeping support costs low and more customers happy. Reimagine your customer support with the number one AI CRM for service. Learn what's possible at Salesforce.com/products/service. Welcome to the HCI family of podcasts. We're your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We share our own original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. Join us for practitioner-oriented content around all things leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with the HCI family of podcasts. Welcome to the podcast. In this podcast episode, I talk with Ivan Demosten about practicing DEI with a remote workforce. Ivan Demosten, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Uh, John, thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to be with you today. 
you're joining us from the Cincinnati area. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, generally speaking, but specifically within a remote workforce and within the recruiting function. I'm super excited to pick your brain, and I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to share your insights and experience with me and my audience. As we get started, I wanted to share Ivan's bio with everybody. Ivan Demosten is the CEO at Hamilton Demo. Hamilton Demo sources game-changing talent, qualified, proven professionals who will propel your business forward. Now, Ivan, is there anything else specifically you would like to identify or, or highlight from your own personal background, professional context before we dive into this DEI conversation? Yeah. Um, thank you, John. Uh, definitely. In addition to that, uh, my entree into the DEI world was through uh, human capital working with career builders. So I've been in the recruiting human capital space, talent acquisition space for 18, 19 years, almost 20. And uh, along the way, helping large companies, really, uh, organizations all the way up to a million employees globally uh, attract talent and create strategies for their diversity uh, attraction as well. So I've been having a lot of fun. Uh, it's never boring, to say the least. And in the past year, I've also partnered with a few other gentlemen in my network, uh, and we created the Center for Great Work Performance, hmm. uh, CGWP. So when you see that, we, uh, we actually provide uh, management training for individuals and organizations of all sizes. Although our, our wheelhouse is, is really uh, small and medium-sized companies, we do do work with uh, large companies large organizations helping them in, in different areas and uh, uh from time to time we run into diversity opportunities and discussions there as well yeah wonderful well why don't we start by just laying a foundation at the beginning of this uh conversation around the importance of diversity equity and inclusion now hopefully that's an obvious thing for anyone in the audience today um but you know it's an increasingly polarized world that we're in um, unfortunately, DEI has become heavily politicized. And so I, I feel like there were all these fantastic gains that we were making in the DEI space. And in the last year or so, it seems like there's been some retrenchment and backlash even, uh, particularly in the political sphere uh, around DEI. Now, this isn't a political podcast. I don't want to get into the politics of it, but I, I honestly don't see this as a political issue at all. And so it's really frustrating to me to see how politicized it has become and how um, polarizing this topic has become. Why is it still important today for organizations to focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion? So. Great question, and thank you, uh, John. Let me share with you first. I consider myself a salesperson, right? I'm, I'm a salesman in my in my heart. I'm a sales guy, and let me tell you, over the years, this is not the first time this has happened where there has been some polarization, some pushback, some, some, uh, uh, you know, some that pushback where there. There, there doesn't seem to be an emphasis or desire to really embrace DEI. Let me yeah. share with you, I come from it from a little bit different perspective because every time this has happened in the past 15, 20 years, companies and organizations buckle down and they double down. Mm -hmm. So this is a signal to me that the organizations that have embraced DEI 
are going to double down, work harder. And we all know from all the studies and information that's been shared with us, the organizations that are more diverse tend to be those that perform better than others within their industries and verticals. So what happens is that the other companies see what's happening. And so they trail behind those organizations that double down. And I'm already starting to see that. So it, it, it might be interesting here in the next six months to a year to come back and see how this conversation kind of foresaw, foresees what the future has in store for us and uh, have some dialogue there. So with that being said, the importance of diversity, I just keep it very basic. There's not enough people to fill all the jobs that we have. We've heard that before, right? Uh, you know, there there are multiple reasons for roles not being filled, but that's definitely one of them. We just don't have as many people. We don't have we don't have uh, parents making as many babies. As a matter of fact, there are a lot of there are a lot of couples that have decided not to be parents, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, however you feel about immigration, before we were born and when we were younger, immigration was a pipeline into the country that really cultivated that manpower for future yeah. jobs, right? So we're only. Uh, we're only touching on the tip of the iceberg, but diversity becomes even more important because companies without diversity are only focusing on a fraction of the population. You know, you've got all your, you've got your entire workforce. And you've, if you have a, a, a strategy that only targets 50, 55, 60% of the workforce, then you're already starting from behind from behind a rock so yeah very well said i mean the research is so crystal clear on this there's a clear business case for diversity equity inclusion and i'll throw in belonging that's a another piece to this that people have been talking more and more about creating that safe authentic space where people can belong not try to fit in but belong within the organization uh important in the dei conversation um the, the business case for this is clear like Better teams, better, uh, better innovation, better products and services, better, you know, you just perform better. You, uh, the organizations that embrace this are just going to do better. And of course, yeah. there's a human case to this, too. It's not all about the dollars signs and, and uh, the bottom line. It's, it's the right thing to do for people as human beings, treat each other with dignity and respect. So definitely every organization should be embracing DEI. And given the political landscape, I get why, you know, why uh, some organizations have become hesitant around it, but but you are going to lag. You are going to fall behind. And you you highlighted one of the key pieces here that is just really important to drill down on. And that is, why would you limit your talent pool artificially? <laughs> why would yes. you keep Why would you keep great people away from your organization because you aren't an inviting place where anyone and everyone would want to go and work? Uh, it's crazy in this day and age with the hyper competition for talent and everyone's dealing with shortages and uh, we have skills gaps everywhere. Like why in the world wouldn't you take skilled, qualified, capable people from wherever they may come from, whatever background they may come to help your organization succeed. It's really silly uh, that you wouldn't yeah. do that. Right. Uh, and so 
Wonderful, wonderful. So I think that lays a good foundation for this overall conversation. And and it leads into the next piece, and that is the remote workforce. Um, of course, during the pandemic, organizations were forced on a dime to switch to remote work. Uh, of course, there were remote organizations prior to that, and there were people that had worked remote you know, for, for a really long time. Uh, telecommuting has been a thing for forever. And there have been people who have worked remotely for a long time. But it, the mass adoption of remote work was not there. And many organizations had really resisted those technologies or that kind of modality of work. Uh, and so everyone was forced into it. And for better or worse, you know, people then became accustomed to it and they, be, they learned how to do it more effectively. Uh, but fast forward a few years and now we have organizations doing back to work mandates like we need you back in the physical office. Um, and there's pros and cons to all of this, right, from a remote face to face versus hybrid work um, dynamic. And, and we could have a big conversation just around that piece alone. But I want to focus in on the DEI aspects of remote work, because this is one of the things that was I guess really a positive unintended consequence of the pandemic and of this movement towards more remote work or hybrid work is it opened up a lot of opportunities for a diverse workforce uh, who may have previously not been a great fit for an organization due to geographic location, uh, due to limitations in their schedule. Uh, that really were prohibitive towards them commuting an hour and a half each way and and then spending, you know, tons of hours in the physical workplace when they had other life issues or family responsibilities or or whatever the case may be, right? Uh, maybe you can speak to us a little bit about that piece, about how the remote, the move towards more remote work and, and hybrid work has helped in the DEI space. Yeah, of course, because... Let me just share with you, as you alluded to, uh, I was one of those individuals who who had the opportunity to work remotely for years. So I I was at my at my company's office working hybrid for many many years, going back to two thousand and five, right? Mm -hmm. And then I was fully remote. <laughs> Uh, and have been since 2008. And let me tell you what I realized, John, is it's not for everybody. <laughs> but yeah. for those that it is for, I think one of the great things that the companies that have embraced it uh, then and now, they realize that uh, these individuals that work remotely for their companies are more productive. And I personally realize that from me because work is important to me. I want to succeed. And when you work remotely, you're working 24 seven, that, that computer is there with you all the time. The phone is with you all the time. Your clients are able to access you seven days a week and you've got the whole day to, to manage your schedule. So you find yourself working with your kids around in front of the TV, um, sometimes while you're eating dinner. Uh, yeah, you can you can go for a walk. Uh, you may be able to run errands. But when you have 24 hours a day to, to complete your task and do other work to get you ahead, I find that that's very conducive to that productivity. And I, I think with companies embracing that now, 
it allows for that diversity strategy strategy to to uh, go to places that they never thought of before. So yeah. a company in Utah that is is now embracing remote access, remote employees, now they can look to New York. Now they can look to Philadelphia, Atlanta, Dallas, Chicago. I'm talking about the big cities first because those usually are the ones that come to mind first, right? You've got you've got those huge centers of talent. Yeah. And you know, often the conversation was, oh, if only we could get someone from New York, Charlotte, Chicago to move to where we are, that would be ideal, but we can't. Now we can't. Right? You can have that, you can have that talent, you can have that brain power and that knowledge, which is a game changer. Uh so it really allows for your company to really get the next level if uh if that's what you desire uh enhance what you already have and just create a foundation for that growth uh to support your clients moving forward because now you can expand your services by by that intentional yeah. strategy of embracing diversity yeah and and the bottom line is when you embrace remote work or some form of hybrid work and you're willing to have people who are outside of your geographic sphere, you, you know, your, your proximity to your office space, uh, it, it just opens up a whole world of possibilities. Like literally the entire world then becomes your potential talent pool. Um, now, yeah. obviously there's some limitations. You need people with the right technologies and time zones can sometimes play into this. And sometimes it's challenging, but honestly, in, when we talk about distributed teams and tapping into talent anywhere, um, you identified the talent markets in these big metropolitan areas. Certainly that's the case. Uh, but literally, it could be anywhere. It could be you could be hiring really great people who are in Southeast Asia or African countries, or you could hire people oh, from yeah. South, Amer South America, or you could like even rural um, yeah. my family, my family lives in very, very rural Northwest Missouri. And, you know, the, the, the population has been declining in many of these Midwestern states in part because of this issue of employment, but what they've seen over the last few years, because of the increase in remote work is highly qualified professional people moving to these rural places because they no longer have to be in the big metropolitan city. They no longer have to commute and they'd much rather be out, you know, near family in the Midwest or in the countryside or, you know, on a farm or what, you know, whatever, whoever, whatever your like thing is, whatever your desire is, you know, no longer do we have this constraint um, to be in physical proximity. I've talked to so many people who are in the tech scene in Silicon Valley, for example, Talk about a brutal place in terms of commuting, in terms of cost of living. Um, it's a dynamic place, a wonderful place for a lot of reasons. But I've talked to so many people over the last few years that have who still work for these companies, but have moved to other places that are just more conducive to what they desire in terms of their work-life integration, work-life balance, and, and some of those sorts of things. So there's all these different pieces going in here. And the bottom line is, you know, is it right for everyone? Is every employee going to be a good fit for remote work? Of course not. Yeah, yeah. Is, there, yeah. is every organization, every job type perfect for remote work? Of course not. But 
where it makes sense. And if we can challenge our preconceived notions about what's appropriate and like actually ask ourselves the question, you know, and when it makes sense, if we can open it up to recruit people from anywhere who might have the skill set to help us be successful, inevitably that's going to have a DEI component to it because now we can top, we can tap into, you know, those working moms who are trying to juggle kids and school and work. We can tap into uh, people who come from various cultural and national backgrounds and and different race, ethnicity um, dynamics because we can hire from anywhere, right? Like all of a sudden it really opens up the opportunities we have to hire and recruit uh, with a real diversity, equity, and inclusion emphasis. Yeah. So, uh, John, again, I could not agree with you more. And if I can add to what you're, what you shared is this brain drain is, has been going on for a long time and it's still going on, even with the ability for individuals to access, uh, other organizations and, and, have the geographic location, the balance of life that they want, which is great. But we, um, I think what that allows is for employers to look at the brain drain differently because before we had to have people come to us. Now they don't have to come to us. And so I'm really excited about the future as well, because as this develops, the diversity not only pertains to recruiting, but it's also going to pertain to the development within organizations. So, hey, how about how about Tom in Charlotte? Yeah, we're here in Salt Lake City, but we've got Tom in Charlotte, uh, Mike in Seattle. Let's get them and uh, get them together, develop them so they can become team lead supervisors, managers, et cetera. Uh, Like I mentioned with you before, being at the Center for Great Work Performance, uh, those are things in the future that are on the the horizon. Because now we have these individuals that have all, that have these wonderful talents and we can develop other areas and enhance what they already have. So again, how does that, potentially impact our organization moving forward? How does that strengthen our foundation uh, for future growth and future development? And that is in the career and professional development of those individuals that you have. So I'm super excited because um, DEI will just continue to to grow and develop into ways that we we can't even imagine yet. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And let's talk. I note the time and we only have a few more minutes together, but as I've got all day, John, you know, (laughs) as as we approach the end of the conversation, I do think it's worth reflecting on these back to work mandates that many organizations are having. Now, again, does remote work or hybrid work work for everyone and for every organization, for every team? Of course not. Like you have to uh, look at the needs of the different individuals, the different teams, the customers, et cetera, right? All of that, you know, as the caveat up front, I just want to acknowledge that. Um, but I, I do think it's really important to think about as as we're considering, you know, these back-to-work mandates, um, what is the DEI impact of that? There's a lot of 
thing, a lot of factors that would go into that kind of a decision. I would just encourage leaders to think about the DEI impact of that kind of a mandate. For all the reasons we just discussed, as you open up to more remote or hybrid work, you open up literally to the world and the talent pool that's out there everywhere, which gives you a chance to really have a really great diverse workforce. Um, you know, I'm I'm in Utah. Utah, you know, Salt Lake City ha- has a decent amount of diversity, but we're probably I don't know, close to eighty percent Caucasian, um, and and we're not the most diverse place in the world. So if we have a commitment towards DEI, but we're only recruiting within our geographic location, obviously we're going to be limiting ourselves a little bit uh, based on that alone. So so I would just encourage uh, leaders to really consider the DEI factor. And I'm wondering if you have any other thoughts on that as we're trying yeah, to 100%. balance. We're trying to balance the need of of team collaboration. We're trying to balance the need for, you know, innovative processes that can happen or sometimes are better facilitated when we're together in person with the convenience and the accessibility of remote work, but also this DEI component. Right. I, I think I think you hit it right on the head, John. Balance. And I think a, a lot of these companies with these mandates are trying to figure out what that balance is. And I think we need to have realistic expectations. There's no going back. But on the other side, if there is a world that we have 100% remote workers, I don't see it happening in our lifetime, right? (laughs) So there's going to be a balance and you need to figure it out because now now that we can't go back, you've already given the the workers a taste of it and they will they will seek out those opportunities where they can best leverage and have that balance for their own lives. So the companies need to find the balance. And I think part of that journey is integrating DEI into their strategy for recruiting as well, right? Because as as their employees signal their resistance and some some leave the organization, they're going to have an urgency to replace those individuals as well. So again, they're right back to where they started from. If we need somebody right away, where do we find them and how do we get them on board right away? So I, I think that all kind of goes together and balances really where, where I think these organizations are, are on the path of finding out for, their, for themselves. Ivan, this has just been a really great conversation. I'm going to let you go here in just a minute, but before we wrap things up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Yeah. Uh, So thank you, uh, John. Uh, Again, Ivan Demosten, and you can find me at hamiltondemo.com. Again, hamiltondemo.com. My contact information is there. And also you can find me at the Center for Great Work Performance, uh, where we do training uh, for managers and provide uh, workshops for your employees and uh, your emerging leaders development. So uh, anywhere there, my phone number, just in case you're not able to find it, is 513-257-9683, 513-257-9683. And I... I welcome any and all to follow Hamilton Demo and or Center for Great Work Performance on LinkedIn. Um, and uh, we are we are on Twitter and Facebook as well. I think uh, the Instagram piece <laughs> uh, will hopefully come soon. Uh, 
we're not quite there, but yeah, we're, we're active on social media as well. And uh, parting words, uh, I will say, you know, as we talked about development, John, and uh, organizations got away from it for, for a while and now they're getting back into it, right? They're, they're finding individuals and a lot of times they see the potential and so they're they're looking to provide that work schooling that work learning to have them grow with the organizations and they're really looking to expand their pool of candidates uh with their DEI strategies because as the world is changing so quickly it's never there the world has never changed so quickly and with yeah. so many generations on this planet i don't know if we we didn't talk about this there are more generational cultures on this planet than ever before in the history of the world. And there are more generations in the workforce. So how do you tap in to all those different generations, as well as other diversity groups, uh, cultural, um, uh, geographic, whatever it may be? How do you tap into that the best way to help your company grow uh, so you can attract not only talent, but get more customers, right? That's the bottom line. So I'd, I'd, I'd leave that with everyone, that uh, the world has never been smaller, but again, it's never been bigger and more opportunities at the same time. So there's a, there's a lot of upside to uh, what's out there. And, and I'm happy to help any organization if they need any recruiting help, any consulting, uh, as I do placement, recruiting projects. And always here to to help. Wonderful. Ivan, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Ivan and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.